Petrichor and Parchment A Good Omens Fic by Mrs. Noggin Read by Literarian Summary Mr. Crowley, I presume? Aziraphale asked in lieu of an introduction which was not forthcoming. The guy hadn't even removed his sunglasses. Oh God, he had a tattoo on his face. Aziraphale wasn't one to judge, but what kind of gardener had a snake tattoo on his face? Chapter 1 It was a lovely cottage, in a beautiful, picturesque village, complete with pub, post office and local shop, and a quaint village green. After London, it was like a postcard haven. In the far corner, tucked away between the church and the small primary school, was a tiny little lane, edged by hedgerows and barely wide enough for a car. After a couple of minutes' walk, the road faded into a track, dirt and chunks of stone with a lump of grass roaming drunkenly down the middle. Another couple of minutes' walk, and there came a pair of cottages, set back and facing each other companionably across the track. One whitewashed and cared for, the other... his. Eden Cottage an old building with red walls, bricks chipped like teeth that had smiled too hard, and diamond-leaded windows that twinkled and shimmered with secrets in the sun. Exposed timber beams looked like the furrowed brow concentrating hard on drawing him in, focusing on what he was looking for, so the house could give him all of it. Aziraphale fell in love with it immediately. It was not even remotely practical. He didn't know how to deal with the roof. Did one have to do anything with thatch? The interior needed some serious work, and the back garden was worse than chaotic. But it was cheap, and when he stepped inside with the estate agent, his belly glowed with warmth. He breathed in the dust and the must, and let tingles spread through his chest. He felt the love of the families that had bloomed in this house, the joy of life and the comfortable inevitability of age. He felt home. It took a week after he got the keys to even get the electricity switched back on. There was no phone line, which would never do. Clients liked to be talked to, apparently. Which was vexing in itself. He needed to get himself a vehicle of some sort. Now he was out in the arse end of nowhere. He'd managed to get himself and all his stuff moved in. He was moving from a tiny one-bed in London to a smallish two-bed cottage. It hadn't taken long. One of the bedrooms he immediately designated as his workroom. Aziraphale picked the one with the best natural light, overlooking the south-facing garden, drinking in sunlight most of the day. He rebuilt his workbench in there, secured his shelves to the walls, and set out his larger tools and frames. 
A few minutes were dedicated to pondering if he could afford to plumb a sink in there, but he'd have to look into that, and there was no rush. He was here forever. Aziraphale quickly learned that the garden was where he liked to drink his tea in the morning. Sometimes he took his toast and marmalade out there too. There was the cloying fragrance of some flower or other and he could hear the bees buzzing and bumbling about. The rushing of the wind in the tall trees was a hypnotizing hush. Every now and then there was a bleat of a distant sheep. Delightful. The overgrown state of the garden was getting seriously out of hand, though. His crooked little patio was almost being consumed by the knee-high grass and wildflowers that possibly used to be a lawn. There was a creeper of some sort that had taken over the whole back of the house and was actually stopping the windows from opening. If he didn't sort it out soon, he'd have to start using lights in the daytime and he still had to get the wiring sorted. Now, while he liked looking at the garden and being in the garden, he didn't actually know the first thing about any of it. That was grass, he knew, and some sort of rose over there, and maybe that section used to be a herb garden, but it was now more of a small, smelly jungle. He needed someone to come and clear it for him, before he could even see what was there to work with. It went down quite far to the small creek at the back. He'd battled his way there with the estate agent, but that was at the start of summer and the copse of trees was now blocked off by six-foot-high nettles and brambles. I don't suppose... He brought that Friday night with Anathema, the lady who lived in Jasmine Cottage across the lane from him. That you know someone who'd be able to do something with my garden? She looked at him for a solid minute, serious eyes, pursed lips. Weighed up whether or not he was worthy of her information. As a matter of fact, I do. Anathema, occultist and possibly part-time psychic, was a delight. A little younger than him, yet possibly wiser quiet but full of words. She appeared hard at first, a little cold, but after only a few days, Aziraphale could see she was all friendliness and freckles beneath. She had brought him a jar of homemade jam and a bottle of wine when he first moved in, had rummaged through one of his numerous boxes of books and announced they would be friends. She was not wrong. She rarely was, he was discovering. He's a weird one, she continued, but very, very good. I'll dig out this number before you go. He's usually very busy, but it's keeping towards the end of high season, so he might be able to fit you in. Weird how? He's, well, I suppose... Anathema huffed in frustration at the limits of language. He's an arsehole. Complete and utter... In fact, I'll call him, else he probably won't bother. 
Aziraphale felt his eyebrows shoot up. And you recommend him because? He's the best. He nodded politely. To be frank, he didn't need the best. He just needed someone to hack down his accidental forest and stop it from swallowing his cottage. But now he'd asked, he'd at least get a quote from this guy. What's his name? Crowley. A.J. Crowley. A.J. Crowley was an asshole. Aziraphale opened the door to him at 11am the next day, took one look at him, lanky, grumpy, spiky-haired, stubbly-jawed, and decided then and there that he would most likely have to look elsewhere for a gardener. Mr. Crowley, I presume? Aziraphale asked in lieu of an introduction which was not forthcoming. The guy hadn't even removed his sunglasses. Oh God, he had a tattoo on his face. Aziraphale wasn't one to judge, but what kind of gardener had a snake tattoo on his face? Just Crowley. He shoved his grubby hands into his jeans pockets and slouched a little more. Anathema told me you needed work doing and to come today. Don't think she realizes I have other customers. Aziraphale tried to narrow his eyes. He felt his lips pressed together and attempted to make them smile instead. Sorry, it's not that urgent. I've not long moved in and I'm looking for quotes to tidy the garden. It's a state. Just need someone to get it going for me, you know? Crowley didn't reply, just stood silently, sullenly, cocked an expectant arc of an eyebrow. Oh yes, please, do come in. He moved back to let him into the hallway, led him through to the kitchen, apologized for the state of the house and the chaos of the boxes, as if he'd invited him over for dinner or something. Crowley was silent throughout. Would you like a drink or anything? I've just brewed a pot. Nope. Aziraphale opened the back door and gestured a little timidly at the mess outside. Crowley swaggered past him, all hips and swish, not even hesitating at the sight of the intimidating jungle out there. Aziraphale stood back and watched. Just watched. Because as Crowley strolled out onto the patio, the sun broke through the clouds as if in fond greeting, shining down gladly, lighting up his copper hair into a twisting flame. A gentle gust of late summer wind tickled through the garden, seeming to lean the greenness eagerly towards him. The mysterious Crowley stood completely still at the edge of the paved area, beneath a crooked wooden arch. There was some sort of climbing flower growing over and through it, woven tightly and desperately throughout. It swayed, straining down on the wind. Crowley reached out a mud-dusted hand to caress an outstretched shoot, twined it around a gentle finger, murmured something softly. He was talking. He was talking to the plants. And Aziraphale, against his better judgment, found it absolutely charming. Mm.
It'll take days to hack this back into some semblance of a garden, Crowley said finally, having explored his way around the wilderness at his own pace. That sounded expensive. How many? Hmm? Crowley had been distracted, looking up at the creeper over the back of the house. He stepped up and caught a red leaf between two fingers. This Virginia needs a bit of taming, too. She's been left alone far too long. How many days? Crowley turned and looked at the garden. In fact, he hadn't really looked at much else. Aziraphale couldn't remember making eye contact with him once. Not that he'd know either way, with the sunglasses having stayed firmly glued to his face throughout. That was not a word. Aziraphale assumed it meant he was thinking. A week or so, four or five full days for one pair of hands. Get it smart and sparkling. Aziraphale looked awkwardly at his feet, ever so British about discussing money. Compared his stripy, socked feet with Crowley's scuffed and muddy leather boots. He cleared his throat, finally. Ahem. Right. And how much will that cost? Another elongated jumble of vowels and consonants in the wrong order. Normally, Aziraphale would take it as a sign he was being conned, but he got the feeling that was just how Crowley communicated. I'll do you a deal, Crowley offered suddenly. I've got a lot of work on at the moment, time-sensitive, you understand? If you aren't fussy about time and don't need it doing all at once... He understood immediately. He did the same in his own line of work. You want to fit me in around other jobs, you mean? I don't see why that would be a problem. Well, it would be really random. Probably spread out over a month or so. That's fine. I'm in no rush. And if it gets me a better price? I work from home, so just let me know when you'll be round. Crowley nodded, hands back in his jeans pockets. He seemed to sink down onto his pelvis, folding slightly, like his spine started just a little too low. I'll give you the best price. I don't come cheap, though. I can imagine, though Aziraphale didn't want to. He'd got a nice check coming through from his last job completion, but he'd just bought a house, for heaven's sake. He saw Crowley look him up and down, as if judging his wealth from his appearance. Well, good luck to him. Aziraphale was wearing his clear-up-this-wreck-of-a-house jeans and a fabulous Derek Rose linen shirt. So he could either be a bit well-off in dodgy pair of jeans or a bit dodgy in a nice shirt. I'll sort out the particulars and get back to you with the price and the first dates. Crowley gave the Virginia Creeper a last delicately affectionate stroke and mumbled a fond sort of farewell to her before heading back to the door. Aziraphale knew then he would have nobody else. Nobody else would come near this garden. 
Anathema laughed and laughed when he told her she was right and Crowley was an asshole. She gave him a commiserating rub on the back and poured him a glass of pims from a cut crystal pitcher. Is he worth it? he asked, already knowing the answer. Every penny. Every rudely raised eyebrow. Every awkward moment you spend trying to work out if he's insulting you. He'll do me a deal if I fit in around other work. So I think... I might... You've already said yes, haven't you? She knew. She always seemed to know everything. He starts next week. Eden Cottage was still friendly at night. Often old houses were cold and spooky in the dark, but the cottage seemed to remain a constant vaguely warm temperature. Even the shadows were like a casual embrace. Aziraphale lay in his bed, too hot for the duvet, too cold without, and listened to the owl hooting in the tree outside. He hadn't thought he'd be able to sleep in the countryside after the constant noise of London. It was still noisy, though, just a more soothing sort. Wind in the trees, something prowling around for its dinner in the garden, crickets chirping, and the owl constantly calling for something. Someone. He wasn't lonely. He liked solitude. But maybe one day he'd like to share his solitude. One day. There was a call on his mobile a week later from one of his regular clients. He'd spend his days until then well, clearing the layer of dust and grime from the entire house, finishing the living room floor, picking out and buying wallpaper for the downstairs, hunting out odd bits of furniture. Mr. Gabriel agreed to drop the book off at the cottage in the morning, but apparently it was already sold on and would need to be done within that week. Frustrating, to say the least, he'd hoped to get the kitchen more usable that week and maybe even make a start on decorating the bedroom. Now he had one evening to get his workroom functional and then several days of constant, back-breaking, finicky work. Aziraphale needed to keep this customer happy, though. He brought in a decent percentage of his work and always paid promptly. The tool drawers were in total disarray, his frames needed reassembling, his blades all needed sharpening from being jumbled around together. To make it worse, they were having some kind of summer heatwave and none of the upstairs windows would open. Aziraphale was frazzled and sweaty and had to work through the night to get things ready. It was too hot for it. He was tired to the point of dizziness. His house was the wrong size and shape, and he was the wrong size and shape, and all the stuff was too damn heavy and awkward to move around the small doorways and narrow halls. Giant bottles of detergent and chemicals, boxes of paper, metal vices, and every time he finished something, he had to stop and catch his breath and shake the feeling back into his arms. 
he was still going, wrestling a soaking tank up the narrow, crooked staircase at just past eight in the morning when there was a knock at his door. Great. Perfect. He was wedged behind the giant tub, which was apparently just stuck, possibly permanently from the amount of gift to it, and one of his better-paying and undeniably respectable clients was waiting to hand over a priceless antique book. He didn't even have the safe ready to put it in. It was still buried behind boxes and supplies. He'd never felt at his best in front of Mr. Gabriel, and this would not help. Good Lord, why was the man so bloody early? Hello, he called out, trying to sound more confident and competent and less stuck under a metal tank than he felt. I'll be just a moment. There was no reply. There was also no way Aziraphale could get to the door. He couldn't go under the tank. He couldn't go round it. He'd have to climb over the banister and the gap was too small and he'd probably fall and break his neck. He could try clambering over the tank, but his weight in it might dislodge it and he'd go tobogganing down the stairs and probably through the front door and crush poor Mr. Gabriel who may well deserve it for being half an hour early. He was still snorting at the thought when the front door handle clanked down and the door swung open. Perhaps not snorting, perhaps more cackling hysterically, and also the fact he'd just realized his foot was actually wedged under the tank as well, and he might be stuck there forever, or have to call the fire brigade, and he was just so tired, and wishing he hadn't lost control of himself quite this badly, and oh, what a horrible mess. He was going to start crying any second. It was not even Mr. Gabriel. It was even worse. It was Crowley.